0: Everyone, So we're back, uh, with a third episode with, uh, Jim Ansbach, um, well, I think, uh, I think that to summarize it all. So, uh, we talked about, we talked about the past, we talked about the present, and now we're, uh, we're going to talk about the future. Where is our industry, uh, industry going to, um, so, well, Phil, I think I'm going to hand it over to you.
1: I appreciate that, David. Where so, do you, where
0: do you think we should start?
1: Yeah, you know, first of all, I'm going to say that uh, my, my my geographic location's changed a bit. I'm now actually in the forum office in Israel, and really enjoying the weather. It's uh, absolutely incredible to go from minus ten Celsius to plus thirty Celsius in a a twelve-hour flight period. So, really love it. Now, except for that, I'm not going to get into the, all the uh, all the technicalities of uh, traveling across uh, continents. I really want to hear about uh, the future and the tools which are in uh, development today, and how they're going to interact with the new standards with AC thirty-eight and AC seventy-five. And Jim's outlook in terms of these new standards, which are which are just on the doorstep of actually being published, and the interaction with all these new uh, interfaces and all these new technologies which are going forward, Jim.
2: Yeah, recently um, at Iowa State University, we were conducting a research project for uh, Ashto, and uh, we were interviewing a a colleague in uh, uh, Maryland State Highway Administration, Bill Johnson, and he uh, uh, voiced this term utility utopia or utilitopia, and uh, I thought that was a, a, a kind of a, a, a place I'd, I'd want to live in. Uh, and and the images that that conjures up, I'm sure, are different for everyone. Uh, but to some degree, I think if we figure out our own vision of what utility-topia utilitopia might uh, be, uh we can march towards it and uh you know maybe that's the fact that if we have a utility being placed in the ground we record its accurate position we couldn't used to do that without significant cost and effort by a licensed surveyor but with the new uh Uh, National Geodetic Survey Datum 2022 being rolled out, uh, more accurate with smartphones and other devices that allow us to get uh, uh, fairly accurate uh, and in some cases increasingly accurate uh, and precise measurements uh, by the layman with enough checks and balances to, uh, uh, to make certain that the data is good we can in fact capture all of that data on utilities that are exposed for maintenance or being put in the ground for the first time or being relocated uh, on projects. Wouldn't that be great? Um, And that's really what ASCE 75, uh, our new ASCE utility as constructed standard, uh, is about. Uh, So I think we have You know this.
1: Are we talking about a sorry? Are we talking about a uh, a quilt where every time you have another uh, you have another layer, you add it onto that quilt until you have a full a full quilt or full coverage?
2: Yeah. So each project has a certain project area, and if you do a competent utility investigation within that area, but you start getting strings strings of the, of the, uh, inside that patch of the quilt, so to speak. So the patch itself is mostly whatever quality level is achieved, or if you're using ASC 38 and the strings or the points, uh, within that quilt that are the, uh, actual recorded positions surveyed of exposed utilities uh, you'll start to uh, connect these patches together uh, with data. Now, it's going to take a long time to get a full picture, uh, but you have to start somewhere, and I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, ASCE's new as-constructed utility standard will uh, uh, put forth a, a mechanism uh, to allow that to happen in a standardized format moving forward. We also developed it in mind that it would be compatible with the new uh, open geospatial data standard, uh, the muddy model, the the model for underground uh, uh, data definition and integration, where we're being uh, able to record everything under the ground that you can't see in some fashion so that it marries with the above-ground BIM models that are out there. So the underground, the the hidden stuff that is uncertain doesn't fit well into BIM. Uh, But the money model was designed specifically to integrate with BIM so that you get a mix of uh, reality with BIM and, or certainty anyway, and a mix of uncertainty um, with the muddy model uh, associated with it. So both ASE 38 and 75 are compatible and were designed to be compatible with that new muddy model, which is under uh, trial right now in New York City. So uh, through a National Science Foundation grant and New York University. Um, so it, it's exciting. We have this cornucopia of technology now that is really coming into its own in the past 10 years. And, uh, you know, we've got to figure out which, uh, which which fruits to pluck out of that cornucopia and use on a project by project basis. But there's, there's lots of them producing more and more data. And I think that data management uh, is really the next era of uh, Uh, of utilitopia so to speak is is figuring out what data is good what data is bad what data is somewhere in between figure out how to use that data effectively fix it correct it add to it and manage it uh for the benefit of of all going forward
1: jim do you see with the advent or the minimizing of computers like uh, I remember 20 years ago you had a, a laptop which was one gig. Now that, that, that fits in the, in the palm of your hand. Do you see that being a real factor in terms of digitization? Or are we looking at digitization again as a, a drawback? Because visualization is great, but if it's not verified, it doesn't help.
2: Yeah, I think it's a two-edged sword. It, it can go either way and You know, the GIS community had it right back in the late 80s when they said garbage in, garbage out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of garbage in there already. And I think what we need to do in this uh, decade is figure out what is garbage and what isn't, get rid of the garbage and replace it with something useful.
1: Do you see actually uh, municipalities or owners investing in that? Because all these years there's been a a shyness to invest money into records or into a non-revenue generating sector.
2: You know, I'm not so sure that it is money driven as much as we might believe. Now I could be wrong on this, but it, it seems to me we have the technology it exists already We to, to get good data uh, and to keep it and manage it. We have the processes in place to do it. What we don't have are the policies. Uh, we have lip service to some policies, but we don't have uh, national policies, local policies, regional policies, uh, industry policies that... Will address the uh, the needed issues. So, I don't think it's as much a matter of money as we might think. It's it's a matter of lack of leadership uh, from those who develop policy.
1: Have you seen any technologies that have really caught your eye in the last couple of years? Or even for me, the uh, you know the the standard split box or the radio detection. Or the you know, VVAX or whichever one you may use, has really revolutionized from tubes all the way to uh, uh, to chips, and uh, being a lot more compact than it used to, used to be, and doing a lot more functional items.
2: Well, it's it's doing more functional items, but it's also um, not as efficient digitally as it was analog. So, again, if you know how to use all of those functions and you understand its limitations now that it is a multi frequency, uh, uh, therefore uh, uh, antenna compromised unit, uh, you can use it well. But we don't have training for those, or we don't avail ourselves of the training. Uh, on how to use that equipment to its fullest. Uh, but to, to answer your question on uh, are there technologies that, that capture there my are. eye, sure, uh, there, there are, uh, and there's quite a few. And, and it's, it's been a constant, you know, 40-year uh, 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 journey to try to identify those technologies that are put in front of you uh, and separate those that have usefulness from those that are just a shiny object uh, that that don't work, and somebody's trying to scam you or trying to make money. They're really not uh, addressing the problem. So, uh, you know, I can I can tick off some of those uh, uh, technologies, and then we can talk about each one uh, separately, perhaps. Uh, multi-channel GPR uh, that. is is a really good. Uh, uh new technology that is very exciting in in what it can do and the the data it can can uh, produce I think uh, uh, the capturing the Bluetoothing and of of your pipe and cable locator with a survey, to create and capturing of attributes of the pipe and cable locator so that it can be looked at remotely for quality assurance, uh, and, and have some sort of, uh, a way to look at the quality of that data, uh, other than the actual one person in the field using it at that second. I think that's a great innovation. I believe, uh, looking at, um, uh, the the utility involvement with satellites uh, is is a great new innovation because your project limits are now expanded. Your project limits aren't, but your vision is expanded, uh, uh, which allows you to find uh, utilities and to go back in time and track it. is is really uh, amazing. Uh, and we didn't really have those capabilities years ago because our, our, our satellites didn't have the right sensors. They didn't have the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, visual acuity that they have now, and we didn't have as many of them. But now that data is there. And all of that is really facilitated with this cloud-based data management, able to handle more data uh, quicker, faster, uh, and better. As we start to uh, manage that data and add in elements of, of artificial intelligence, whatever that means to people and however it manifests itself, you know, self-learning, uh, I guess, and, and being able to pick up trends without uh, developing an algorithm to pick up those trends, I, I think, uh, you know, we could find ourselves in in, in another brand new world. Um, and, and hopefully it, it's a good one that is uh, uh, for benevolent reasons, not malicious
1: reasons. Do you see any drawbacks in the new technology? What, one of the things I've been looking at is the, uh, the lack of understanding of what you're doing and just using automated systems.
2: Yeah, I, I think there still has to be somebody who selects the right technology for the project, for the conditions you are encountering, uh, and then somebody has to verify, just like we do with geophysics, we, we do something that we call ground truthing, right? It's, it's you get an image or an inference of something, and you check in a spot, to figure out if what you are seeing is the truth or not, and uh, I think we still have to do that. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a new uh, phrase, uh, relatively new, being thrown out for utility data called a single source of truth, uh, SSOT, and, and the idea there is can we have a database somewhere uh, that is the definitive answer to any questions. And and I, I'd say everybody's truth is a little bit different. And if you don't if you don't make one person's truth uh, equal to another person's truth, that single source of truth might lead you down the wrong path because it it gives the impression that it is, in fact, reality and uh,
1: the correct source. Yeah
2: we know that that may not be the case. So yeah, it
1: actually reminds me of, uh, um, it reminds me of a post. We have a fantastic creative person here and she put up a post about the single source of truth. So if, if you know what I'm talking about and look at, look at our LinkedIn page at you know, the forum LinkedIn page, you'll find a, a little reference to the single source of truth on a comical basis. Okay. No, that's, that's really amazing, Jim. Now, in terms of the new standards, which were just came out or are just about to come out, the AC 38 and the 75, are they dynamic enough to evolve with uh, technology? And we've seen how quickly technology has changed. I believe they are. Um, and evolved.
2: Yeah, uh, certainly 3802 was very generic and allowed a lot of leeway into how to use that. Uh, the newer version 3822 really is no different uh, in that regard. It, it allows a lot of leeway in how you uh, arrive uh, um, at, at an answer. Uh, and that answer is what quality level can I achieve, uh, or was achieved for this particular utility segment that's really what that standard is about putting that together with uh you know a a robust scope of work uh results in 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 project development so uh you really need the scope of work which is it drives uh the investigation which is then filtered through asce 38 to arrive at a standardized output uh, so you, I, I can't stress enough that the scope of work is very important uh,
1: in using it. Do you see Do you see the uh, ASCC Sue for Municipalities Guide uh, scope of work document also changing to reference ACS 3822?
2: Uh, it I don't believe it ever referenced uh, 3802 directly. It just referenced ASC 38. With the idea that whatever is changed uh, or updated in ASCE 38 in the future needs to be able to accommodate uh, those those types of things, the I would imagine that the super municipalities document uh, will need updating uh, at some point. You know, it's been out there now for two years. Uh, it's being used. It's not being used uh, a lot, but it's being used some, and there will be feedback coming in and, and uh, uh, enhancements, I'm sure, to that document going forward uh, by UESI.
0: What, what do you think, Jim, m- might have been uh, left out of the new standard? What, what, what else would you have liked to, to put in the new standard? Well,
2: certainly there's already discussion on more detail on 3D models. Uh, so right now we have an appendix that, as part of the standard, that introduces the topic uh, and and some core principles of 3D models, but it really uh, doesn't standardize anything with those because there just isn't enough uh, experience yet with that to figure out what the correct standard should be, and and some of that goes back to you know firms that are developing software for BIM, but they or or uh, for instance uh, Bentley has has SUDA subsurface utility data, whatever the A stands for, uh, which which has some flaws in it uh, that that can be corrected individually by the user, but you know, it'd be nice to, to have it universally corrected by the software. But I, I don't think we're ready to, uh, uh, correct it until we have more experience using those models. So I, I think that will be something, uh, that will be, uh, a focus moving forward, uh, for, for future editions of, of 38. Um, and, Obviously, as technology changes and, and, and uh, grows, we'll, we'll have to accommodate that, that technology. And we, we may not but, know what that is yet.
0: But wouldn't the, like with 3D, for example, wouldn't the standards stay, like the quality levels, wouldn't they stay the same? Because I think the real, the real challenges is the new sources of, uh, of, of utility data like the new ways to get the utility data, not just project them?
2: You know, you if you look at a utility in 3D space, it has an X and a Y and a Z. And the quality levels really cover that X and Y position, uh, with the exception of quality level A, where it has been exposed and you can guarantee an accuracy of the entire Whatever exposure volume there is uh, to 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 a certain survey accuracy, you're really getting just a point of of that z value, and we didn't want to get into the into the situation where every x y and z point, the billions and billions of them on a project. Has a variety or a mix of quality levels for the X, Y, and the Z, uh, because if you look at that, you know you could have quality level level B in the X, Y, but quality level you know M in the Z, uh, whatever whatever that quality level might be uh, in the vertical component. So the way we've addressed that in 3822 is we've addressed the concept of depth as a point attribute on an existing line or feature. So it's just a point. So you string together a bunch of points. Where the issue comes in is the visualization of where that point data came from and, and it's relative uncertain. And and we we don't have that figured out yet. I'm going to ask you another question. Really
1: attached to this, Jim, would, with with the uh, the use of our modern equipment right now, the uh, professional and responsible charge. Does he have to really focus on where the data came from or the results?
2: I think you have to understand where the data came from and how good it is, how reliable it is. How accurate it is. All of that, you you still have to do that. Otherwise, you you populate this database with potential garbage. And you'll never know uh, until until you find out uh, because something went awry uh, on on that uh, during construction or operation uh, or maintenance in the future. So. I think the professional and responsible charge will always have a role uh, certainly in project development now if we just look at the issue of making a better utility record from the beginning um, you know maybe maybe there can be some some automation that uh, enhances or or uh, makes more efficient the the responsibilities and and the the uh the checks and balances that that responsible charge person puts forth um we'll have to see you got to be able to point the the finger at somebody you know when (laughs) when you're talking about you know hundreds of millions of dollars for some of these uh utility accidents you have to be able to say this is what went wrong and this is the party who was grossly negligent or negligent in their responsibilities. So you have to have a, a person in responsible charge for various aspects of that.
1: Has, has there been anyone else along with you that has been leading the charge for this quality and for the integration of uh, the engineering standards?
2: Well, it's not just me. Uh, uh, we know
1: you as a grandfather, as Sue, but yeah, <laughs>
2: well yeah there's a lot elaborate people. on though no. there's
1: Luther.
2: there's there's certainly a whole bunch of people that that have contributed and uh are contributing and will contribute uh, uh to that moving forward uh i would say that that uh, a, a bulk of them are involved in uh uesi uh asce and 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 uh participation in that organization is 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 kind of why we created that, that institute within ASCE is to uh, give the voice to those people that want to lead the charge uh, by example.
1: Now, it was interesting because you were talking about your, uh, your current role at the University of Iowa. Can you expand on that in terms of them want to educate the future generations of utility engineers?
2: yeah uh you know we we've had a goal for quite some time to get information education about utilities which you know continue to be one of the leading causes of project uh, delay claims and and costs uh, change orders on on, uh, on infrastructure projects of, of all kind so we feel that getting that information to the student uh, whether that's an undergraduate or a graduate student is is a long-term strategy that we should pursue. Now, just because we have a limited amount of time and a lot of general engineering knowledge that has to be uh, uh, transmitted to students in their four-year undergraduate uh, setting, we don't have much time within there to talk about utilities. So, uh, what we really need to do is develop that uh, graduate program for utility engineers. Because right now, the only place you learn about utilities as an engineer or a surveyor uh, or a utility company employee is on the job. And and we really need to... Uh, uh, provide a more formalized educational program for that. So at Iowa State, we are looking at uh, starting to uh, create course content uh, at the graduate level or senior elective uh, undergraduate level uh, in the six pillars of utility engineering and and, and going forward from there. Uh, we also do a lot of research. um into utility issues and, and what might help those issues be resolved in the future. So uh, at Iowa State, my, my role is twofold. It's, it's, it's research driven um, and it's, it's education driven, uh, but it's also outreach a little bit uh, and, and trying to uh, uh, set the example so that other universities can, can do the same thing.
1: Now, I don't want to get into it, but uh, can you just uh, give us or uh, state the six pillars of utility engineering? Because if we got into it, it would be another two-hour se- two session. But just a, a brief overview of the six pillars. Sure.
2: So we have utility investigations, and that's really where ASCE 38 uh, comes into play, is how do you investigate what's already there above ground, below ground, uh, and and document it, uh, then you have uh, utility conflict identification and, and, and resolving. Uh, and that is looking at how you can uh, work around the existing infrastructure, you know, avoid re- relocations if possible, avoid utility issues. If you can't avoid them, mitigate them in some fashion. Um, and if you can't mitigate it, through a relocation mitigated through, through a policy or through a a construction activity. So figuring out how to identify those conflicts and make changes to the design that still accomplish the design mission, but, uh, uh, addresses, uh, those utility conflicts is, is a second pillar. The third pillar, uh is, is utility, uh, Design. So, when you put new utilities in the ground, how do you how do you design them? How do you plan them, and route them, and design them so that they uh, can withstand the forces and stresses, and they're the right size for whatever population you're serving? Then you have utility construction uh, aspects. So you're actually building these utilities, and you are. Uh, providing utility damage prevention uh, services, and you are capturing the utility data as it goes in the ground. So ASCE 75 is really uh, mostly concerned with that pillar. Uh, and then you have the uh, uh, utility asset management pillar where you look at life cycle costs and when do you repair versus when do you replace something. Uh, pretty much that holistic point. And then the last pillar, uh, for lack of a better term, we'll call utility coordination, uh, but it's really utility program management because the utilities, uh, we, we look at those as, as a program feature of the entire uh, uh, issue of civilization. And we have to coordinate between the owners of that infrastructure uh and others uh who are impacting that infrastructure so those are the six pillars investigation conflict management design construction asset management and
0: coordination which which do you think which pillar do you think has the most impact on the utility risk of a project
2: I think they all work together, but I do believe that you can manage that risk most effectively in the utility coordination realm if you are proactive and not just a passive uh, uh, person scheduling meetings and staying out of uh, dispute resolution when... When uh, two parties both want to do the same thing, somebody's got to stand up and, and be the adult in the room and say, this is how it's going to be. Uh, so I, I think the, the proactive utility coordinator has the most effect totally on the project because they should be involved early and they should be involved throughout the project construction to some degree. And therefore, they can drive the other pillars as needed
0: doesn't it really depend on the project delivery method because uh, utility coordination would come in uh, uh, at well not really different phases but micro different phases depending on the, the project delivery method i i don't
2: i don't believe that fundamentally there are much differences there are only differences in the who the the, the what yeah. you do and 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 uh, how you do it are very similar. It's the who that that changes, and and even if you look at the when, uh, the when can be flexible. No matter what kind of project delivery you have, uh, you try to uh, figure out the particular uh, aspects of that project and and make it most efficient uh, for those tasks. So. So I think it's project delivery is all about the who.
1: Now, Jim, uh, talking about uh, your involvement in Iowa State and uh, the Sioux School, uh, or uh, the last couple of uh, renditions or uh, iterations of Sioux School, that is mainly geared for these current Sioux professional, correct? It is not a uh, wide and general call for people to start understanding and uh, using utility engineering in Sioux.
2: Uh, well, I, I think you're referring to the Utility Investigation Institute. School, UIS? Yeah.
1: Okay. Correct.
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, we started that effort with uh, the Trenchless Technology Center and, and UESI uh, to provide that uh, a 40-hour course on this is some of the um, uh, detail behind conducting a utility investigation, especially if you that investigation includes records and knowledge of utility systems and knowledge of geophysics and knowledge of survey and a little bit of hands-on and a fairly rigorous test uh, at, the, at the end of that school. And, and we've hold, held 13 or 14 of them now already around the country, and we have more planned um, uh, we're we're now partnering with different universities around the country uh, along with the buried asset management institute international uh, to deliver these uh, in 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 whatever jurisdiction or state uh, uh, wants it so the the real problem is is getting the instructors up to speed with what we're trying to accomplish but you are, you are somewhat correct in that it was designed for the for the utility investigation professional, but we've had a wide range of people from uh, construction uh, trenchless technology aspects, uh, uh, state DOTS uh, also attend that, and and their input uh, and participation has been good. I, I do believe we want to put together. Uh, such a class or a school for all of the six pillars, eventually. Uh, whether it's a, you know, a, a four-hour course or an eight-hour course or a variety of, of webinars and 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 workshops and seminars or guided online courses or instruction at a university, uh, I, I think we need a, a good mix. But but that's our ultimate goal: is to put together content. Uh, to To cover all of those six pillars, and of course, tell util- some utility design and some asset management. Is, there are already courses out there, so it, it's it's a matter of uh, seeing what's out there um, and adding to it, seeing where the gaps and overlaps are, and and adding to it, and and creating these uh, opportunities for education. I think the 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 most exciting and relevant. Uh, educational opportunity that we're trying to put together now is uh, a, a webinar of some length that would be titled something like what every project manager or engineer needs to know about utilities. And, and we would talk about the fact that utilities are one of those drivers of their project and they're not party to any of the contracts usually to deliver the project so they really have to understand that and again since universities don't teach that uh somebody needs to pick up the slack and and uh, uesi is looking to do that
1: do you see uesi pushing for regulation or uh facilitating the lobbying lobbying for regulation Or like they've done it, uh, not UESI specifically, but the ACEC did with the Colorado law. Do you see that being a more active role of UESI and everyone in the industry?
0: Well,
2: I think it certainly is a role. I'm not certain that that UESI on its own can... um, can drive the whole, the whole industry or policymakers. So I, I really think you have to put together a concerted voice for change uh, that would consist of of AEC and and ASCE and UESI and uh, APWA and uh, you know NSPE and and all of these all of these professional associations that that are out there. Uh, and even some of the trade organizations, like the Sioux Association, they all need to uh, uh, speak with a a, a single voice uh, if you want to get change to happen. And you know we were able to do that in in Colorado, and we're hoping to do that in a, in in some other places coming up uh, in the near future.
1: I'm going to tell you one thing. it seems like you're busier now, that you're retired. Than you were during your professional practice, or when you were working for a consulting firm. Well, <laughs> your, your passion projects are really showing. I,
2: I, I am, I am as busy, uh, but I say no more. A lot, uh, you know. There's, there's, there's certainly not a uh, a lack of things that that need done. Well,
1: that's interesting. That's well, recording podcasts with us. Yeah, that, that you enjoy. <laughs>
2: like getting up at five in the morning to do a podcast, but you know the sun's up now, so uh, I guess the day is. A-
1: we, we've given you a full day. That's right, Jim. One I last thing: be... uh, one last thing. Have you seen the litigation side go up with the awareness of the standards? Because I know you've also done a lot of uh, a lot of uh, professional consulting for. Uh, an expert witness uh, testimony regarding standards.
2: It's it's coming along. I, I always thought that uh, it, it case law would have driven the point home faster uh, than it did, and and I think the reasons for that is most of these cases settled and therefore all of the documentation and and information becomes proprietary as terms of that settlement. So we don't really learn our lessons uh, from that. Now we recognize that at ASCE and actually put together a committee called the Committee for Claims Reduction and Management, CCRM, uh, to try to address that not only for utilities but for civil engineering in general. You, you know, firms don't want to tell everybody what they settled for. Insurance companies don't want people to know that. Um, uh, individuals are embarrassed by their mistakes. Uh, but as professionals, we don't want to, we want to learn from other people's mistakes and not make that same mistake. And it's it's difficult to get that information out because of restrictions in what you can say about these cases so it's only those cases that go all the way to trial uh that might in fact set case law moving forward and there aren't that many that uh that move all the way to trial so it's uh although it's an important factor i think in in the terms of settlement uh we haven't necessarily been able to um, uh, capitalize in the legal system as much as as we could.
0: All right, Jim. What uh, looking forward at, at the industry? What would be one thing you would like to happen in the next twenty years?
2: I I think the. The best thing that we could do within the next 10 years is have a national policy that any new utility going in the ground has to be accurately surveyed uh, in accordance with ASCE 75. I I think that 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 is a, a necessary component to... Uh, fixing our utility issues going forward in the most efficient manner.
0: Okay. Uh, so Jim, uh, this, this has been our, our third episode and hopefully not, uh, not our last, uh, but uh, it was super, super interesting uh, t- going with you on this journey from, uh, from past to present to, to future. And I think your insights on the industry have given us and our listeners a lot of value and a lot of uh, uh, a lot to think about and a lot of homework to do. Um, so I'd like to thank you for that. Um, Ophir, okay. last words of the episode. Yeah, Jim,
1: as always, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And the amount of knowledge which I retain from every single conversation which I have with you, it's always... If it's refreshing, a little item. If it's, it's thinking, uh, thinking of a a different way of, of looking at something, and the truth is, uh, you know, what you put out really provides that uh, that that ability to think about things and and really look at them in a new uh, in a new way, which I really enjoy. Now, that being said. Uh, I, I want to see uh, I want to see where we're going with all these different standards and where we're doing uh, what we're doing in the next 10 years in the industry and I want to see what uh, what your opinion would be in terms of how things have changed and you know I want I want to be able to talk to you in 10 years and say yeah we're here or no we still have a lot more you know a lot more distance to cover <laughs> and yeah looking I'm at hoping- uh,
2: I'll, I'll still be embodied with a uh, coherent consciousness in ten years.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm always looking forward to it, even with your coherent consciousness. <laughs> okay.
0: Jim, thank you so much. We very much appreciate it. Thank Until you. Until next time. Hang on one thing.
1: I want to know, Jim, who do you think should be our next guest to follow <laughs> you on this uh, on this podcast?
0: Wow.
2: Well, that's uh that's an interesting uh, view you know I I would say if you haven't done a podcast yet with uh, dr. Cesar Chierga, uh that might be a good one because he is really you know when, when he was chair of the transportation research board utility committee uh, and, and of course he's he's driving uh, the Texas Transportation Institute, utility research, and beyond. Uh, he's got a lot of insights as to uh, uh, where research is needed uh, in, in in this arena. So, so I think he would be a, a, and he's been involved for a long time. So, I think that would be a, a good uh, interview. Well,
1: I appreciate that, and uh, we, we know we know Caesar. Says, I mean, that's a, that's a great idea.
2: You know, there's <laughs> one other person, you, you well, know, now now that you're getting my juices flowing here. <laughs> uh, the, the, the managing director of uh, technical programs at ASCE, Jim Rosberg, is retiring in October or maybe August, sometime soon. And uh, either before or after he retires, he, he has really been... Uh, Uh, a mentor at ASCE for me in figuring out how to get all these things in the mix. And uh, from a very global perspective of ASCE, focused specifically on UESI, and he was in charge of all of the different institutes, but certainly had a big hand in allowing us to form the Utility Engineering and Surveying Institute. He he might be an interesting... uh, Interviewee, if he if he's willing, I don't I don't know that he is. Oh,
1: well, Jim, uh, would I be able to would I be able to squeeze a email from you uh, with a brief introduction? Because uh, I've never met the gentleman, and I think I would like to.
0: I think it'd be a great guest.
2: Yeah, we can we can figure out a way to uh, introduce you.
1: Fantastic That's what can Well, Jim, uh, the only thing I can say is wow. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. And uh, I'm sure that everyone else is going to enjoy absorbing the knowledge. And that's it.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, sir.